Hi there, welcome along to Series 2, Episode 1 of the High Performance Podcast. It is so good to be back. Um, Damien, myself, everyone involved in the podcast can't quite believe the impact we had with the first series. Um, Thank you so much for all the messages, for all the downloads, for all the subscribes right across the world. And here we go again. I really want to make this um, even more of a community. I want to make it a conversation about high performance. And to do that, I need you. So um, as you're listening uh, at the end of the episode, at any time when you're listening to this series or the previous first series, I'd love you to start a conversation on social media. Use the hashtag high performance podcast, send me a message, get in touch. And what we're also planning to do, not after this episode, but after every subsequent episode, Damien and I are just going to have a chat about your comments and your thoughts. So please do get in touch. Anyway, here we go then. Episode one, series two, and we have got the manager of one of the biggest football clubs in the world. This is a family. Man United, we've always been a family. And Sir Alex, the way he's created this atmosphere in this training ground, I think is unique. I'm really looking forward to this. The conversation with Ollie, Damien and myself was one that I will never forget. It was fantastic. Right, here we go then. Once again, thank you so much for getting involved, for listening to the episode. It's time to get going as we begin the second series of the High Performance Podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there, I'm Jay Comfrey and you're listening to High Performance, the podcast that delves into the minds of some of the most successful athletes, visionaries, entrepreneurs and artists on the planet and aims to unlock the very secrets to their success. As always, Damien Hughes is alongside me and Damien, we're lucky enough to be at the place that has cultivated and improved the players that you've cheered as a Manchester United (laughs) fan over the years. I think this is um, an episode that you're going to enjoy. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, we're in the home of champions here, so uh, I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about what makes a champion. 
Brilliant. I wish I could say the same about Norwich City, but there you go. Yeah, today we are at the Manchester United training ground, Carrington, talking to a man who, as I'm sure you know, scored one of Manchester United's most famous ever goals. He now leads them as a manager. But what did he learn here as a player under Sir Alex Ferguson? What are the good things that have happened in his career that he's learned from and the bad as well? How does he take individuals and lead them to collective glory? And what can you, listening to this podcast, learn from him to live a more high-performance life? Welcome to the podcast, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Lovely listened to, to you before, so uh, might as well join in. Good. So you've listened to the pod. What do you think? Well, I, I like uh, to listen to champions. I like to listen and know a little bit more about what makes winners tick, of course. And obviously being uh, a Man United uh, manager now, uh, previous player, I've always tried to make the most of my my talents and this is an, an opportunity for me to to learn off some some good ones and i suppose it also leads to the fact that despite everything you've achieved as a player and as a manager and the fact that you're now in charge of one of the biggest clubs in the world you're someone that thinks you can still keep learning still keep improving yeah i think so i think everyone can learn all the time and that's what i learned when i came here as a as a player as well, uh, that uh, players like uh, David Beckham, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, they always wanted to improve and be better. The day you think you're you're the real deal, I think that's when you, you go downwards. And uh, I'm always trying to improve myself and the, the, the club and the players. So we always start with the same question, which is, in your mind, what is high performance? Making the best out of the potential uh, in either you as an individual or us as a team or the, the club as a whole. High performance is knowing when you, when you leave the door that you've done everything you can to stay at the top. Where did that lesson come from, Oli? That I know your dad was a wrestling, yeah. uh, a successful wrestler. Yeah, well, how... he, he, he says so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but how early did that lesson of, of getting everything out of your potential start to drop with it? Well, I think I've always been uh, willing to learn, humble enough to, to try to improve. And I never thought about myself as one of the best, uh, most talented ones. So I had to find other ways to make the most of my talent. And that stayed with me all the time, I think, during my time at Klausnengen, Molde, uh, and then here at Man United, and then as a manager as well. So when you end up here at Manchester United as a player, and you openly admit you didn't feel like you were one of the most talented ones. How do you have a mindset of not being overawed by the talent around you and thinking to yourself, right, I'm going to take on the strikers around me as a challenge to be better? It's a fine balance between being humble and being quietly confident, uh, believing yourself enough. I think I was a quietly confident guy and then believing in my own abilities, I knew I had an X factor of scoring goals. And that was my uh, forte. But I was also humble enough to try to learn from Andy Cole, Eric Cantona, Ryan Giggs, David Beckham. All the players got different attributes and qualities. And that's the secret to be confident enough to trust yourself all the time, but always also humble enough to work hard. And that's instilled into us from, from early on, plus from Sir Alex. So when you arrived then from Norway and yep. you first came into what would have been the cliff at the time, yep. Ollie, what was the biggest difference that struck you in those early days? 
Well, for me, I just played with better players. I That meant I got more opportunities to score goals. And yeah, of course, there were better opponents as well. But early on in my life, I I was quite good at uh, imagining and living living the life of so I, so the goal I scored against Bayern Munich for example I'd scored hundreds or maybe thousands of times before uh, on the field back home on my own going through one on one imagining if I score now if I hit the bottom corner I'll win the Champions League or Euro uh, the European Cup as it was called when I was young I've always loved creating my own atmosphere and then t- testing myself so when I came here, it's like, well, just do you do the things that you've always done, what you've learned, but do them a bit quicker. But my finishes were at bottom corner. So Rina Tasayev, who was the best keeper when I grew up, uh, he wouldn't even save my finishes even when I was 15. That that's that was my mindset practice as it was a cup final. Was it like visualization that yeah. I know like sports psychologists now talk about the importance of visualization? Did anyone teach you that or was that just something you'd learn and then you kept adopting? I think it was just in, uh, in me. I was so keen in watching football and I saw goals being scored and I saw keepers making saves and but there's an opening there and if, if you hit it top, top corner or bottom corner, he's got no chance. And I, I still believe that there's no such thing as a good save. It's just a bad finish. That's, <laughs> that's a striker talking. And yeah, but, but there's so many times Sir Alex, and it used to bug me big time in training that he shouted, hit the target, make the goalkeeper make a mistake when I missed the target. But as soon as that ball left my foot, I knew if it's a good finish or a bad finish. And if you just hit the post and out, I knew that just a slight millimeter to the left or to the right on my boot would make that ball go in. So quietly in my mind, I said, shut up you, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and that, that'll that go in on Saturday. You know what I like about that as well is that even at a young age, that's you taking 100% responsibility for yourself. Because I think all too often, let's take football as the, as the lesson here. Young yep. players will go, well, I did all right, but the goalkeeper was brilliant. Yep. Whereas in your head, you're saying, if that goalkeeper saves it, I'm yep. the one that's failed. And yep. I, I do love that you were, at that young age, you were taking full responsibility for yourself. I truly believe that as well. That's, uh, it, it was always down to me, that finish. And as I said before, my teammates were so much better. I created chances by my movement and I knew David Beckham is going to put the cross in and then I'm just ready to finish. And where did that come from? Did your parents instill in you um, a mindset of being responsible for yourself? Definitely. It's from probably more from my dad as he was a, an athlete himself. He always instilled into me that mindset of it's up to me. I can't have any excuses. I can't blame the coach. It's just yourself. And because there was one time, and that's the only time I remember my dad looking a bit angry. I came home, I had a party, stayed up a little bit late, and I just got home early in the morning to wait, get up to training and go straight to training. And he just had a little, with his cup of coffee, a little glance when I came in and said, do you think this is a way to become the uh, top athlete? And that, that was, that's the one comment I, I remember that he really liked, mm, he's right. So what are you like now as a manager with your players that look for fault rather than take responsibility? How do you deal with that? I don't want any blame culture here because 
I think they all deep down know it's it depends on them. And how do you how do you remove any blame culture? What's your process to that? Well, quietly, because they they just gradually end up not playing and being out of the club. I'm not the ranter or a raver and say, if you don't effing change that, I'm like quietly tick off behind me ear that, okay, let's have a look. Let's have a look next game. If he makes the same mistake again, or if he blames other people again. And in the end, you just gradually wean them off. How does that sit, Damien, with the conversation we had um, with Sean earlier on, where he said he makes sure he tells the players every single thing um, he's a the England Rugby League manager and he said I tell the players exactly what I want because then if they don't give it to me then I can get rid of them legitimately well I think that there's a I think Ollie's making this distinction here between the technical and attitudinal responses so I think what Sean was saying was if the players make a technical mistake he takes accountability I've not coached them well enough if it's a case of they've not run back or they've not worked hard enough that's on them the responsibility Comes down completely to agree. Yeah. That's a that's a decision. That's a that's an attitude. They because you can always make a decision to not run back. It's easy not to to run back, but that's your decision, and that's that we don't want those types of players. And if a, if a player misses a chance or he misses a penalty, of course they don't do that on purpose. I can't shout and rant if they do that, but I can pr prove my point if they keep on making decisions that go against our framework or principles or the way we want to play, style of play. So if I can pick up on that, I remember you telling me a story years ago when you when you were the reserve team yep. coach and you spoke about Danny Welbeck and yep. one of the things that impressed you was that he would stay behind and help the coaches collect the balls yep. in after shooting practice. Yep. And you'd spoke about that indicated that he was a team player. He, he was thoughtful yep. of other people. So what would you say are the, are the behavioural factors you look for in people that you want to bring into your culture? It's about respect. I think respect is a big word for me. I think loyalty is a big word. So I expect them to not think about themselves too much like me before the team. It's always the team before uh, before I. The, the, the manager or Sir Alex always used to say there's no I in team. But then you've got individual qualities in there that you don't want to take away. But that human quality of being a team team player that's got you have to have that you you have to have it and what else are you looking for people who want to learn if you're humble enough to say yeah I, you're right I, I can learn that listen to the coaches want to implement our principles in the way we want to play our style because if we agree on one way of playing you can't just make your own decision on no I want to play my own way that's completely going against the team there's so many good talent out there but if you have the, the good right hu human qualities and also be driven you have to be driven you have to be a winner we, we haven't talked about winning yet and you'd want winners in a team like man united i've been here now 18 months ish and we have started we have a foundation to build from and now it's about we have the attitude is right the work ethic is right they're humble they're hard working we they want to learn now it's about getting to the next stage of learn how to win but in, yeah. in a fair way but we need to learn how to win in when i say fair way well i've had one sending off and i was com 
I was so told off by the gaffer. He absolutely slaughtered me in the dressing room in two weeks. Wages, against fine. Newcastle? Against Newcastle, yeah. And he's, I learned a lesson then that that's not the way we want to win at Man United. We don't do it that way. So when you've got a squad of players here who you've chosen because they're good enough as footballers, yeah. how do you go about turning a bunch of good footballers into a bunch of good footballers who win? To get as far as they have, they've got to have a bit of a, an edge and a, an ego in them because you don't get to the top by just being a nice guy. The thing is that you want to see, who, you test them. You see who's got that little bit of extra. How do you test them? Well, we, we referee quite badly a few times and see how they react. Do you? Puts, yeah, of course you do that on purpose because you want to see, you don't want defenders who are emotional because if they're too emotional, they'll cost you in a cup final or they'll give a penalty away or get sent off. And you want players who on nil-nil or one-nil down want to take the ball and then do the bit that everyone else does when it's 5 nil, because then everyone's confident and oh, come on, give us the ball. Everyone's confident then. But when you're 1-0 down and you're really struggling, that's when you want the leaders to step up and the winners to step up. But you have three, four of them who really take the, the level up. And who you want who them. would you say are your leaders currently at Manchester United? Damien talks about cultural architects, the people that stamp the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mark on the rest of the squad. Well, of course. I think you have had an example lately on Marcus Rashford. What kind of human being he is but also a leader he is by stepping forward he stepped forward on the pitch and off the pitch he, he steps forward takes his first penalty for man united ever extra time champions league psg he's never had a penalty before and he takes it and he scores and we're, we're through that's marcus is a leader of course you've got bruno who has come in and with the, with the impact he's made he's he you can see he's a leader because Players follow him. They've seen, wow, he's, there's such that's, that, that, that was the little spark that we needed, I feel, earlier on this season from being a team that should have won games to now winning get more games. And of course, the captain, Harry Maguire, he's been there six months and he's captain of the club. And what did Bruno do? So, as, as someone that's come in, it's not easy, is it, to come in halfway through a season or to come in even in, in the summer transfer window to come into a squad that's already formed? What did he do where the players immediately thought, right, this guy is, is one of them? He's got the talent, of course. That's, you can see the qualities there and we've seen that for a long time. But then again, he steps up when it matters and he does it when it matters. He's delivered crosses, he's delivered assists, he's scored goals, he's took penalties, he's done everything uh, in a short space of time that you'd expect. And uh, off the field? And off the field as well in training. And he, he demands of me. He demands of his teammates. And the first day he was in the club, he shook everyone's hand. He, he, doesn't, really? he didn't come in here thinking, I'm the, I'm the big shot. I'm, you follow me. No, he shook absolutely every staff member's hand. And uh, you thing. noticed that? And of course, that's, this is a family. Man United, we've always been a family. And Sir Alex, the way he's created this atmosphere in this dress in this uh, training ground i think is unique two of the names you mentioned there really yeah. so maguire and uh, bruno yeah. are people that you've recruited in so yeah. what kind of homework do you get to do to make sure that they're the right character as well as having the talent that are good that is going to add to the family well obviously we got the chief scouts that do all the scouting we've got the analysis to do all the analysis and break it down to the minutest detail but you can see that with your eye, really, what 
talent and what quality you've got. Then you speak to teammates that maybe play with them in the national teams. So obviously, Cristiano was an easy go to me. That I managed to get through uh, through Patrice to get hold of Cristiano and uh, his recommendation. Obviously, stands uh, stands yeah. him in good stead. In Norway, it was easier for me. I knew more of the most of them when I signed, and I knew the, maybe the agent, and I managed to to maybe meet the parents or the boys yeah. on the uh, on the sly. You, you're not allowed to, but sometimes you just meet and you you speak. And I think for English internationals, for example, you speak to Marcus. What do you think of such and such uh, teammate of yours? What do you do? You think he'll fit? Harry Maguire, for example, you, you follow him, you watch his Instagram account, you watch Twitter, you watch what kind of personalities they are. Mick Phelan had him at Hull, and you go back to the scouts that scouted him when he was 15, 16. Of course, they'd spoken to them, and, and we just know more or less everything we need to know about the personality. Right. Then that's, you can't do that all the time. Some, sometimes you have to have the, uh, take the hunch, you watch him and you say, well, rainy day at Stoke, well, he steps up, he's a winner. Or he picked up the ball and gave it to the player, or he's respectful when he, off the pitch, he shakes everyone's hand, or those little things. You look at the human qualities as well. I'm interested to know also what, what you say to those players about, this is before they've signed, before yeah. they've seen the culture, seen their teammates. What's your message to them for the club that they're coming into? And I suppose it's quite an important moment for you because it's the very first chance you have, isn't it, to make yeah. a mark with these players? First of all, it's like I've got to manage for the club all the time. You've got to think the best for the club, but you've got to try to help this player. You've got to try to to say, well, you've, you've got a chance here to, uh, to make a career at the biggest club in, in the world. You can make history. And I want to be here to help you. But I, I can't do everything for you. You've got to step up and do it yourself. But I've, I've changed uh, quite a lot since I started managing. Ten years ago now in Molde, I was more of a direct to like straight and that this is the way it is and but gradually you, you know the millennials we speak about it the, the young kids now they they need a different way of managing and help and sometimes being spoon-fed um it's a different i i've got players now uh, just the age of my son and it's like well you could be you could be my son you and it's like you treat them a little bit differently but you challenge them. You have to, they've got to do it themselves, even though how much I want to help them. So what would you say is the biggest single difference between when you first went into Mulder and the manager you are today? There's many differences. Of course, I was a very driven, uh, ambitious manager, been at Man United. I'm going to come to Mulder. I'm going to win. I'm going to get back to the Premier League. My dream is to manage Man United. Uh, and I'm just focused on that. And we do well in Mulder. We win. I brought a few Man United staff with me. We bring a mini Man United over there. And it's like, this is easy. This is like gradually. And then I get an, an offer and I jump on it uh, with Cardiff. And that's a different learning curve for me. And ever since I finished at Cardiff, I've obviously looked back and evaluated myself and but worlds changed quite a bit. So I went back to Mulder again and it was a different squad I went into, but I changed my ways. I, I was more, I got to know the players more. And as you speak, you, you create more relationship with the players. I think 
players nowadays need that more than maybe what I did and the generation before me did. So after that Cardiff experience, yeah. how, how did you process that? Because that's one of your first failures in your career. I'm quite easy in that respect because then, well, I, I, I'm, I was that like a player as well. I did my best and that's all I can do. This is me. But then I realised after a while that this isn't me at Cardiff because that wasn't me. Uh, it was a challenge. I was too stubborn maybe to when I took the job, say, I'll manage this. I needed maybe different skill sets and maybe I was said I was open and honest and my door was always open with the with the with the players but maybe I was still a little bit too distant and I couldn't I didn't get the, that relationship that I wanted with the players and in my last five years I've been a different manager to be fair and more relaxed so much more relaxed and say well I've the worst thing that can happen is that you're allowed to move back to lovely Christensen with your family. <laughs> Do you think that there'll be people listening to this now who are in management positions and they've yep. maybe made the same mistake as you where instead of just being themselves, they feel yep. they have to play the role yep. of yep. a manager and that's yep. what that's the mistake you made? I think so. I, I definitely... I, I loved going into work every day at Cardiff. Good people and I ab uh, absolutely loved it, but it just wasn't me. That situation, it di didn't suit me. And I think maybe they, you've, as you say, you, you get found out. Maybe I wasn't me, or I, I, I'm sure I wasn't me, because one, the style of play that we wanted to play didn't suit the players. So the style of play that I wanted, I couldn't go through with it. I've been here for 15 years as a player, no, 11 as a player and four as a coach before I've come back now. And of course, these years have molded me in the way how I believe a team should be playing. It was miles easier walking in here to bring uh, my, call it philosophy, I don't, principles, I don't like all these words. I just want the players to go out there and express themselves within the framework in a positive manner because you want to dominate. You want to dominate when you're Man United, you want to be the team that's got the ball. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How important was that apprenticeship you did that, that when you finished as a player and then you worked with Warren Joyce and yep. you also had Sir Alex mentoring yep. you? How important was that in your development? It was fantastic. And Warren was a fantastic partner for me because he had had a completely different upbringing in the English league system. 
So he'd played more games in the lower league. I was I was used to winning every year. I was used to having Yapstam and Ronnie Jonsson at the back, uh, playing 2v2 all the time. And so tactically, I, I realized that, well, you you need to set your team up differently here than to what, what it was like with Sir Alex. Because when you got Yapstam and Ronnie Jonsson, you can play 2v2 because they've got pace and strength. And no, you need to organize your team. So I learned to organize a team uh, much more uh, with, uh, with Warren. And all of these sort of moments of learning and successes and failures and relationships you built along the way led you to getting the Manchester United job. For people that are listening to this who have big things come along in their lives and they, they don't sit comfortably with them because it just overawes them a bit, how did you cope mentally when you got the phone call to say, first of all, you're coming in on a temporary basis and then that's it, you are the Manchester United boss. How do you deal with the sudden expectation and the, the kind of explosion that it creates in your, in your own life? No problem. Really? No, absolutely no problem. I'd, I'd had the best manager in the world how to deal with all the circumstances, how to deal with the expectations of this club. And when you were a player here, I, was, I didn't get it as much as, say, Eric Cantona, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, uh, all the superstars that we had, but the media attention. You just have to learn how not to pay too much attention to it and just do your best because that's they've asked you to do the job because of your qualities. And I, that's, I trusted myself to, to bring uh, my good qualities into the team that was here. Obviously, I was only here for six months, to be fair. And it's easier than to come in and say, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to do my... Yeah. Did that feel be, quite pressure-free because it was yeah, short-term initially? I'm going to be me. Yeah. I'm going to make the players enjoy playing football, create an environment that they want to come into every single day. That's key for me now. You have to have an environment which is enjoyable but challenging. They've got to want to come in the next day and say, I like to, like to come into work. We talk about leaders. We talked about leaders before. Paul Pogba. He's an unbelievable leader, both on the pitch and off the pitch. And he steps up with his world-class qualities as a player, but also as a leader. He, I spent a lot of time with Paul because I had him in the reserves as well and we knew each other. And uh, it was easy to, to just rekindle that relationship, really. And he enjoyed it. Now, how do you help your players to deal with that outside scrutiny and pressure? Because I, I look at someone like Paul Pogba and, as you say, a world-class footballer, he's won a World Cup yet still persistent questions across the media, right? That must surely have an impact on people's mental well-being and therefore their, their performance on a football field. I'm just interested in how you deal with that side. Do you talk to your players about that sort of stuff, have a very sort of open dialogue with them? Yeah, definitely. I think one is the individual chats you have with them. Of course, you have everyone's different and everyone's got different challenges in life. We've all got... There's more... There's, I, we could probably sit there for hours and hours talking about what happens off the pitch that you're not allowed to know, which I ov obviously don't want to, to share with people. But there's so much more to, to a footballer than just what happens on the pitch. And they're human beings. And you, you, but I try to make him understand that, yes, we play for our fans, Man United fans, don't pay attention to social media and media when because the, the more loud ones normally are just they just want to criticize you for yeah for anything so we, we we speak to them about how to handle that and manage that 
both as a group and as individuals. Because what matters when you walk on, step onto the pitch is your teammates, it's your fans, it's what the manager and coach is, what we want. If, you, if you've done your absolute best, don't worry about anything else. You know that you've, we, you've done what we've asked. Because I often use the phrase that criticism is the enemy of creativity. And in that moment, you've got a footballer about to do something amazing. And all it takes is that slight seed of doubt in his head to think, well, I've got so much criticism this week. I'm not sure I'm willing to put myself out there. Well, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah. Then you've got the Michael Jordan way <laughs> or my way. Because whenever the, whenever the manager put me out of the team, that just gave me more energy to show him when he put me on. I want to show you that I should be playing more. So you feed off either. Yeah, you feed off you feed off negativity. I, I'd rather have you lot criticize me all day long than really? praise me. I think it's easy if you get praised all the time to just rest a little bit on your laurels. Well, I think, feel it seduces you almost. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I think, yeah, you, you might believe it. You might just deep down you think, mm, I could have done better, should have done better. But everyone thinks I'm great. So, yeah, I'm probably great. One of the themes that we've spoken about on this podcast has been... Um, We've seen a lot of high performers talk about having this role of a memento mori, somebody that reminds them of their fallibility or their mistakes. Yep. Who is it that when they give you feedback, you sit up and pay attention and really listen to them? Who does that for you? I have to say I've, I've had some fantastic support from Sir Alex and uh, in, in the hard times that we've uh, gone through here, when you lose a game at Man United, it's, it is a crisis. And through the, the difficult periods, he's been a, a very, very good support to me. We keep texting each other. He rings me. Ed has been, uh, the club has, they've been very supportive as well. And that's, we went into this with a plan as well, which everyone, well, I put my, how do you say, my ideas across and say, well, this is not an easy fix because I felt quite a bit had to be done. And Do you share with us what you felt needed to change? No, not really. <laughs> but then, of course, it's it's just those little those things that you've, you feel. If you want to give me the job, this is how I'd like to do it. Yep. But you have to understand it might take some time. It might mean that we we're not going to challenge for the Premier League, or it will mean we're not going to challenge for the Premier League in 2020. But we might be able to win the Europa League or FA Cup. But we'll challenge for top four still because we got quality. But it's I need time to get this done. Of course, there, there's always demands on that you need to perform. You need to win. We, we, we've spoken about development and improvement and culture. But winning at Man United is important. There's no chance I can rest on the laurels and say, well, 10th is fine because we have a three-year plan. That's That's completely... You can't do that. You have to always push the limits. Everyone that we've spoken to uh, that has sustained success has always spoken about it isn't a linear straight line journey, that yep. there will be setbacks, there'll be difficulties. And and this art of patience seems to be a, con yep. a consistent theme yep. that you need to give somebody time to get through that messy middle bit when, yep. when setbacks happen. So how do you get people to see that bigger picture and be patient to get through the messy middle before success well, it's important that you have open and honest conversations then on this is the way. And that that's probably uh, what people might uh, like about me as well. And uh, this is the way I see it. This is the way I'd like to do it. 
because I've, I've become so much more relaxed and say, this, we spoke about it before, uh, that you have to be yourself. And I, I just said, well, this is what I believe. This is what I think should be done. If you've got belief in that, this is the way I will try to do it with the staff I've got because it's, and trust you, me, we are a staff that always will have the club Manchester United ahead of anything else. I've managed Man United, uh, so I've uh, reached my dream. But I'm, of course, my dream is to win uh, the Premier League and Champions League with Man United. And I always want to be better. Uh, the only way I can do it is just to do it my way and do it to the best of my abilities. And I promise you, as long as I'm in the job, I'll do this to the best of my ability. And trust my staff to have Michael Carrick, Kieran McKenna, Mick Phelan, Rich Hartis, who was with me with in the reserves, physios John and Richard, they were in me with me in the reserves. There's so many. The, the kit man, he was with me when I was in the reserves. It's like a Man United, our identity and DNA. We're just going to do it the way we think is right for Man United. When you first came into the club and you had a, a plan of where you were going to take them, where are you now on that journey, do you think? Well, we just got back playing after a horrendous three-month layoff with a with a situation that everyone's been through with a with a virus and we just at the moment that the lockdown started we were really in the momentum we had 11 games I think undefeated and you wanted just to keep that run going and now who knows where we are because who knows what will happen with team performances after such a layoff but then again that the, the Players, the staff, they work really hard over the lockdown. Yeah. And not just hard, smart and clever as well. It's like, yeah, have your breather mentally, but look after yourself physically. So the coaching staff, the fitness staff, they've been looking after the players. And But the unknown was difficult. When are we going to come back? When are we going to start really training hard to be fit? Or if we start too early, you might be tired when we start. So it's been a difficult situation, but I think we've found the golden middle highway that I think we've, we're just about where we are, where we should be. So can I ask you about, use that phrase about that DNA yeah. of, a, of a winning culture. Yeah. What would you say were the other three non-negotiable behaviours of the winning culture that you experienced as a player and that you're now seeking to re-embed as a, as a manager? Trust, loyalty, uh, commitment to the team. That's, uh, is that one word? That can, yeah. that can be one. You can have that as one. Yeah, we'll it's, let you have that. You've got to be a, you have to be a team uh, member. You have to, for me, that's be all end all, really. If you want to go your own way, doesn't matter how great you are. If you don't want to give your qualities to the team, we'll just have to find a, another club for you or you have to find another way. So for me, that is that loyalty is um, vital, and the trust. I can I know I can trust the staff and the pl uh, the players more or less as well with with my life because they they want the same as us. Uh, keep the standards high. You you just got to keep challenging yourself all the time because that accountability. If a player lets the teammates down, the t I want the team, the players as well to make that player accountable because uh, it's it's only not himself he's letting down he's letting the whole team down um, but it's all about team really 
for me, uh, family. You very much go back to this team thing, don't you? Do, how much do you see yourself as being on a level with your players and how important is it as their leader, as their manager, that, that you, you maintain some distance? Oh, well, I'm, obviously I'm the one who makes the decisions and uh, will will suffer when we uh, if we lose and get the criticism, which I, I don't mind because you are the one that make the most difficult decisions. And the players and the coaching staff, they know that um, I rate their opinions. I really, really think it's uh, vital that everyone in my staff feel comfortable of raising their opinions to me. I ex respect their opinion, but then you respect my decision as well. Mm -hmm. And that's, I like that way of managing and making decisions. Players as well, I think they know that I want the best for them, but that the team is the most important. When I was at Molde, for example, it's a different different job, I know. But one of my jobs there, I felt, was to give those players a chance to have a career like I have had as a player. So I want you to go from Molde to a bigger club in Europe and I'm going to help you. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to and prepare you for that job. So you've got to just trust me on that because I've been through it. Here is... There's younger lads, but they've, they're such, at such a high level. I still want the best for them, but I have to make decisions for the club. And I think the, the, the players respect and understand that. So if there was one piece of advice you could give a young player that was here at the club or was maybe on the cusp of making the transition to join your, your first team, what would the one thing you would want them to know or do or understand? Work harder than you've ever done to reach your uh, your goals. You've come so far now, and I'm sure you've dreamt of playing at the highest level. You're so close, and don't feel that you've made it. Make sure that you always want to learn and develop. I still I had René Möllenstein as a coach in the first team when I was 30, and I still learn things of him that I've taken into my coaching career, but also to the last few years of my career, I felt I learned of him. You never, ever, ever the finished article as a player. You've got players now, Paul Pogba, Bruno, uh, Marcus Rashford, Anthony, they, they all want to learn. Cristiano, for example, Ronaldo, best player in the world, but he always wanted to learn and improve. He's still got that in him. Like, well, Giggsy, he suddenly find a new way of playing football when he was a centre midfielder at the age of 40. So you've always got a chance to better yourself. There's no substitute for hard work in this club, right? No, it's the gaffer used to say all the time. He, we were like, a, he, other managers used to tell him that we were like a fourth division team just with quality players because we ran and we ran and we ran and we worked hard. And the two like wide men or full backs, you know, the graveyard shift that we used to talk about. It's just relentless. But that's the way. That's the only way at Man United. A Man United team should never be outworked. I said that early on in one of my press conferences that we should never be outworked. And Mick Phelan said to me, you, you know, you'll always be remembered for that. You know, you've, you've, you, you've said that, so you, now you can't let any team be fitter than us. So that we're working towards being the fittest team in the league. But how much of that are the were you even consciously aware that that goes right the way back to Sir Matt Busby talking about that that was almost like a prerequisite for the people that worked in the factories and the, and the local businesses they came and they wanted to see the Manchester United team work hard 
and then put talent on top of it. Of course, I know uh, the history of the club and I know Sir Matt and I know Sir Alex and I know how much. And the, the quote Sir Matt said, well, we have got people here in Manchester working their socks off to be able to go and enjoy Saturday at Old Trafford, seeing their heroes, but also being entertained. Because you need to, as a Man United player, you also need that X, X factor. You need that skill, but you're always deep down. You've got to have that humility about you and be working hard. If not, our fans won't uh, have you. That's one of the things I say to my players as well when we sign them, that you've got to work hard here because our fans, they love a hard-working player. They love a tackle from a, so Jesse and Marcus, local lads who just go and chase, they chase down the opposition. First five minutes, you get a tackle in, the, in their box, for example. Our fans love that and they d deserve to see it. We are Man United and that's, you just gradually, you just, it takes over your, uh, your life. One of the things that really intrigues me about managing a club like Manchester United is you've spoken a lot about the team. Yeah. And the team has won and yeah. the work ethic and what you need to be a Manchester United player. Yeah. Your job, one of the tricky parts of your job, I guess, is balancing with that. The fact that you need flair yeah. and you need players that bring that individual little bit of brilliance. So what is the trick to allowing those players to flourish and grow and, and be a superstar here, but at the same time work for the team and everyone moves in the, in the same direction? When you are part of a successful team, you do that work no matter what but your quality will make you win. How do you do it? You just, you always encourage them to express themselves, mm. be themselves, be like we talked about. What's unique about you? Man United have signed you. You must have an X factor. You must have uniqueness. Is it your pace? Is it your free kick? Is it your dribble? Is it your work rate? Is it... Uh, your finishing. Finishing, yeah, that was my quality. That was w the one X factor that I felt that I made a difference with that. How can you make a difference? Everyone would sacrifice yourself and you work hard for the team if you know at the end you've got that trophy. You lift that champ Champions League uh, trophy or Premier League. So hopefully we can, that's what we're working towards. I remember Martin Keogh telling me that when he was at Arsenal, Arsene Wenger used to pull him aside on match day and say, listen, against this opposition, you're the single most important player for us. Okay, you've got to have a good day. And Martin would spend the rest of the pre-match and the game thinking, Arsenal's told me that I'm the main man. He said, it's only after he retired and they all used to get together, have a drink. <laughs> They'd all be like, hold on. Yeah, he, he, he said told that me to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's a trick of a good manager as well. And, uh, you know, that's Sir Alex, and most of them will have that little trick. That I'm so, so important for, uh, for them. And... Uh, no, it's um, when you win it, it's all worth it. Look, we, we always finish with some uh, quick fire okay. questions. So uh, here we go. First of all, your three non-negotiable behaviours that everyone around you here at Manchester United needs to buy into. Trust. Yep. Do your best. And respect. No respect, others. Very good. What advice would you give a teenage Ollie just starting out? Do the same again. <laughs> if not, I wouldn't sit here, would I? So any little decision, uh, just make the same decisions. How did you react to your greatest failure? Spurred me on to do something about it and uh, learn from it. 
Do you have a do you have a comfortable relationship with failure? Because I, I'm a firm believer that you need to fail in life to move forwards, to learn, fail forwards, fail early, fail Definitely. often. No problem with failing. Absolutely no no problem at all. Because as long as you know that you meant well and your decisions were good ones, but it turned out wrong. How do you sort of get there though? Because there'll be people listening to this that struggle with it. Maybe even your own children, you yeah. spent time speaking to them about yeah. the fact that, you know, it's okay to fail. I think yeah. quite often as parents, we spend all our time trying to make sure our kids never fail at anything. <laughs> no, and that's not I'm a great not like lesson that. for life. I don't mind them failing as long as they've done their best. That's the, the main message for me to the players here as well. You know that all your decisions will have consequences. How important is legacy to you? I know that I'm just going to do my best anyway. And I hope, obviously, there's a good legacy to be, uh, to be left. But as long as I know I've, I've been true to my values, true to my, the club's values, uh, and made decisions I believe were right, well, so be it. As long as my uh, employers and my family and my players know that I've made the decisions for the right reasons, that's fine. And the final one of our quickfire questions is, are you happy? Yeah. Nice quick answer to that one. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you can't be happy with what I've got now, then I'll never be happy. It's not bad, is it? Well, look, thank you so much for inviting us to uh, what is a remarkable training ground. Fantastic view, isn't it? Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to you know, sit here and talk about your time at Manchester United. And, and really interestingly, the, the little tricks and the tips and the, the approach you've taken to running one of the greatest clubs in the world. Been a pleasure to talk to you. Damien. Jake. He is an, he's an interesting character, isn't he? I suppose you always have in your head the type of person that is in charge of one of the biggest football clubs in the world. And Oli probably doesn't fit the stereotype, I don't think. Not at all. I think, um, I think quiet leadership is uh, the two words I'd use to describe him, that he's not necessarily gregarious, he's not the loudest person in a room but he's, there's a quiet authority and a leadership to him that I think is him that's what makes him unique and I like that I don't I think that we live in a different era now where you no longer need to be you don't want, you don't need to bully people into following the way that you operate you don't need to embarrass them into performing for you yeah you just need to bring them along for the journey get them to emotionally invest in what you're doing and you'll get good results yeah there's a brilliant book by uh, called uh, quiet by a lady called Suzanne Kane which speaks around this idea of that quiet leaders can be just as effective as the loud, um, outgoing people that we often get attracted to or that often get the attention. It's the ones that just lead in the shadows that can be just as effective. And that's what I think Ollie's doing really, really well at Manchester United. And I think we live in a world where we think the louder you are, the better it is, right? We apologise for quiet children. Oh, sorry, he's, he's shy. And we should maybe stop doing that. Yeah, there's some really interesting work done by a guy called Jonathan Haidt that um, he wrote a seminal book last year called The Coddling of the American Mind, where he speaks around how social media is distorting our view. And I think this idea of being the loudest voice. So he says, loud people in, the, in this way, everything is binary. It's black or white. They, they create tribes of people that are with them or against them. And I think quiet leadership avoids that. They can just sort of 
go find that middle ground. I think the second thing they talk about is that feelings often uh, get distorted for facts. And I think quiet leadership, again, like Ollie describes there, is quite forensic in his way of looking at it. And then the third thing is that um, this Jonathan Haidt speaks about what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And it's that idea of we get comfortable with failure because we can process it and move on from it. And I think what Ollie described there is this quiet forensic style has allowed him to not feel he has to be somebody that's false or that's untrue to the person that he really is. I loved it. Good fun. And you get to chat to the manager of your favourite football club. Yeah, he's a fantastic <laughs> guy. Oh, that was so much fun, wasn't it? I suppose what really stands out for me is that Ollie had listened to the first series and had specifically picked up the phone and asked us if he could be on the pod. And that that means the world to me because if we're having the kinds of conversations on this podcast that the manager of Manchester United is learning from and gaining from, then it can only be a good thing, can't it? Now, um, please do leave a review of the pod. It's really helpful for us. I'd love you to subscribe as well if you haven't already subscribed. There are so many amazing episodes still to come. I wish I could reveal now some of the guests who are coming your way in the next couple of weeks, Um, but I can't just yet. But trust me, they are amazing. Um, A big thanks to Tom at Rethink Audio for all of his hard work sorting out the podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Damien and Ole at Manchester United and all of the team there. Um, And the next episode is out next Monday. So plan really to start your week, whether you're travelling to work or you're on the commute or you're getting home and you're flopping onto the sofa or you've put the kids in bed or whatever you're up to. Plan to start your week with the High Performance Podcast every Monday for some inspiration, for some conversation. And talking of conversation, don't forget, we really do want to create a community of high performance thinkers. So get in touch right now, start sending us some messages and uh, use hashtag High Performance Podcast across social media to join in the conversation. And after the next episode, any questions you've got or thoughts you've got, about Ole and the way he thinks and what he's done at Manchester United, Damien and I will answer your questions. So anything for me, anything for him, get in touch right now. Anyway, thanks for listening and keep your eyes peeled for episode two, out next Monday. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 